What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? You may have noticed that I changed the intro to this show up a few months ago. Uh, now, now I say instead of uh, people living with type 1 diabetes, uh, I say people with diabetes. I don't say diabetics anymore. And that's not because I have anything against the word diabetic, but I wanted it to be more inclusive of people with type 2 diabetes because there's some amazing people that I've met and I know all across the world uh, with type 2 diabetes who are living and thriving and living beyond. That description perfectly fits my next guest, Dex Geralds, calling from Los Angeles, California. He's a type 2 diabetic, but you look at him, uh, the man is ripped. So there are some serious type 2 diabetes stereotypes that go right out the window from the top. He's a personal trainer and a remote fitness trainer, as well as an actor and a model. He and I met for the first time last year at the Myabetic Awards in Los Angeles, and he and I dig into a lot of the stigma breaking around type 2 diabetes that he does, as well as how he addresses conversations about type 2 diabetes in the community. So very excited to take you through this very cool interview with a very cool guy, my friend Dex Geralds. This episode is sponsored by Type 0 Health. Type 0 is the most powerful sugar-free and stimulant-free, yes, that means no caffeine, pre-workout on the market today. For people with diabetes, you can get the boost and the pump you need to crush your workout without having to worry about spiking your blood sugar. Type 0 is packed with robust all-natural ingredients designed to do one thing, give you a massive pump without all the added crap. There are tons of pre-workout products on the market and they all will get you going, but most are filled with junk that is bad for your body and your blood sugar. Type 0 is proof that all-natural ingredients and a powerful pump don't have to spike your blood sugar or taste bad. I use type 0 before I play basketball, go on a run, hit the weight room, and lately, since we've been quarantined, I've been using it to help me shift into workout mode while I'm at home. It works, and I've got the CGM charts to prove it doesn't spike your blood sugar. You can order type 0 on Amazon or visit type0health.com for more information. Type 0 is a T1D-owned business, and you know I love T1D-owned businesses, so check out episode 132 for my interview with Type 0 founder John Jensen. Remember, you can order Type 0 on Amazon or visit type0health.com, so let's get to it. Welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We are telling the amazing stories of people living with diabetes all across the world. I'm super excited for today's episode because my very special guest is my friend Dex Geralds. Welcome to the show. And first of all, you know, obviously this is primarily, I guess, started as a podcast for people with type 1 diabetes, but as it has grown and evolved, uh, I've learned that not all diabetes is created equal and certainly doesn't always fit in the exact archetype of type 1 or type 2. Um, so I'm really excited to kind of hear your perspective on that. But first of all, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, excited to uh, talk about diabetes with you. Yeah, man. Uh, I laughed when you, earlier before we started recording. You were like, yeah, I, I really know my story inside and out. So it's like, yeah, I'm great. I'm super excited to hear it. So for those who are listening to the podcast and aren't as familiar with you, uh, tell us who you are, where you're from, and how you ended up being a part of this diabetes family. All right. Um, well, I'm Dex Geralds. Uh, I grew up in Michigan, moved out to L.A. in 2013 or 14, somewhere around there. Um, right now, I am a fitness trainer, specifically in CrossFit, but also do personal training as well. Um, I also moved to L.A. to pursue a dream of acting and modeling, and that's been going pretty well for me. The last, I want to say I've been here six years almost, so 
Um, that's been great. And um, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes in 2013 while living in Boston. And for me, that was uh, a weird time. I was probably the fittest I've ever been. At that time, I was doing cross CrossFit competitively, training two times a day, five to six times a week. And, and my diet was pretty much on point. Um, one day, I was watching CrossFit videos. I do that quite often. And they were, it was actually a type one diabetic on there. And he was talking about his symptoms he had before he realized he was type one and he was thirsty all the time, using the bathroom a lot and clicked in my mind that I was doing exactly the same thing. So a week later, I make an appointment, I go see the doctor and get some blood tests done. And he comes back and tells me I have type two diabetes, which kind of blew my mind since I um, pretty much grown up in the world of type two diabetes with family members. My grandma passed away because type two diabetes. Um, just recently before that, I had an aunt pass away because of complications with type two diabetes. And so it was always, I always made an effort to stay healthy through um, fitness and eating well. And so that day the doctor told me I had type two diabetes. It was kind of a shock. First, um, I think my first reaction was kind of like fear because knowing the symptoms of what happens when you don't manage it well. Um, uh, I have family members who have no legs right now, like um, eyesight's gone. So that was kind of a fear um, from the first start. And then later on, I, like, I realized I've always been able to kind of take control of uh, what I do in my life. So I mean, kind of stupid, I uh, went to a bookstore and I brought type two diabetes for dummies. and. Uh, <laughs> read through that to try to figure out what was the best course for me to uh, conquer this. And I pretty much was always on this straight path. Uh, medication, something I don't really like to use too much, but I do use metformin at times when diet and exercise alone, I can't seem to get my blood sugar down. Um, so that's something I use every now and then. But for the most part, I, like, I just want to show people that like this is a manageable thing. It's like it doesn't have to be a death sentence or you don't have to get depressed and think of think of the negative things that people do think about when um type 2 diabetes is brought up so yeah so like now like i guess my biggest thing is i just want to help people i've had good success in the world of fitness modeling and acting and i love the success that i have but nothing feels quite as good as getting a dm or a text from someone who says hey i was diagnosed with type, type, type 2 diabetes and I didn't know what to do and then I found you on YouTube and reached out to you and you responded and helped me out and thank you so much for that like that's the gratitude I get like that's just I don't know it's just something about helping people that brings me so much joy and it's the only kind of joy I think is everlasting because success is great but success is a big thing and sometimes when you don't match that success that you had before it can kind of get you down but when you help someone, like that's an everlasting thing. That's you made someone better or healthier, live longer kind of thing. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, uh, it's really interesting. Like the power of getting outside yourself, you know, and like you talk about success or whether it's money or whether it's a job or fame or whatever, you know, setting goals, you know, those things are for you and those are good. But when you get outside yourself and you're able to, you know, pour into somebody's life and help them solve a problem or help them make their life better, help them find success, I think that's what, you know, at least in my uh, experience, has you know, gives back so so much more uh, 
than when you're just doing something for yourself. So yeah, totally, totally you hear there. Let's let's kind of go back a little bit to your diagnosis because you said something that's really interesting. Uh, you said you were the probably the most fit you've ever been in like great shape, diet was on point, you know, really working out. And you know that's saying a lot because you are a, a shredded dude. You're you're a fit guy. <laughs> so you know people would look at you at face value and be like, wow, that guy's ripped. There's no way he has type two diabetes. So let's let's talk about some misconceptions about type 2 diabetes because I think even in the type 1 world, most people with type 1 diabetes don't know all there is to know about the different variances and uh, different factors that go into a life with type 2. So let's talk a little bit about what that was like for you and you know kind of what you've learned since then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was pretty pretty crazy because again, like the what most people think is when you get type 2 diabetes, uh, first, you, you have a poor diet, you don't exercise, and because of those combinations, then you cause this on yourself. But for myself, because of genetics and my mom having type 2 diabetes and my father, um, who passed away about a year ago, he had type 2 diabetes as well. So for me, it was a 50% chance I was going to get it anyway. So flip of a coin and boom, I had type 2 diabetes. But I didn't understand that right at that moment, like my doctor didn't explain that, oh, this could be brought on by genetics. He was actually pretty confused when he came into the office and wrote and told me I had type two diabetes. Cause you know, you don't really see anyone with a six pack um, who works out regularly have type two diabetes. So like for the biggest thing for me, it was just genetics. I was gonna probably end up having it anyway. I didn't think it would be this early. I believe I was 25 when I was diagnosed, uh, 33 now. So 26 when I was diagnosed. 33 now. So yeah, like, um, even now, like sometimes I go on social media and like, I feel bad because it's so much confusion in the world. Like not even just on the side of a type one diabetic or a type two diabetic, but just the people who don't live with that and may know someone and kind of talk to them about it. But I always get, uh, do you have the good diabetes or the bad diabetes? You know, like diabetes is bad all the way around. I don't think there's really a good side to it. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, like so. Um, yeah, but and then and then I usually have to educate people, especially because I work at a gym, and some people come in pre-diabetic and uh, not really understanding what diabetes is. Like some people walk in pre-diabetic and think they have type one, and then I have to explain to them that, that type one is it's not it's not uh, like really brought on by like like. Um, because of factors of of what you ate and and uh, the way you live, it's more of uh, like genetics and and uh, your body just doesn't produce insulin that way. Um, versus the type two, where your body does produce insulin, it just doesn't receive it as well as uh, a person with a normal pancreas. So um, I go through yeah, I go through that quite a bit, and yeah, I mean, I guess I just without rambling on, it's. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's just a, a, a learning thing or a teaching moment uh, I usually have with people when uh, I have to explain to them how I got type 2 diabetes because a lot of times people do think, and if people who do know about the two types, uh, type 1 and type 2, they usually think I have type 1 and are like surprised when right. I tell them I have type 2 and how that goes. One thing, I, how I, got that. One thing I think <laughs> is really, no, 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 you're fine. That was, uh, one thing I think it's really interesting about when I have conversations like this with people like you is 
you know, we as people with diabetes have the same conversations over and over again with people who are not, you know, aren't familiar or not in the diabetes community or just curious about, you know, what we're going through or like, you know, what's that thing on your arm or what's that, you know, why are you testing your blood sugar? What's all that about? Um, for you, I'm sure you have like the same conversation over and over and over. It's like, how do you have type two diabetes? You're a super fit dude. Does that ever wear on you or get to you? Like, uh, you know, even when it comes from, from a good place from people? Um, not really. I like, I took the time to understand that. I mean, I guess we use the word ignorance, um, not in a negative way, right? but we don't learn too much about diabetes in school, if at all. Um, a lot of people, especially with type two, don't discuss their diabetes with other people because of the stigma that that they're lazy or something um, or ate really bad and got that. So, um, yeah, so it's never really been uh, an issue for me. I always just use it as a chance to educate someone and hopefully once I educate them, they can go on and tell other people and then through time, we'll have the ability where people would know actually the differences between diabetes, the two types of diabetes. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You said something, um, you know, about about ignorance, right? And I I feel like, you know, when I was told I had type one diabetes, I didn't know what that meant. I, and I think I was I responded in a very fearful way as well before I got all the information that ultimately helped me. Um, but yeah, I think you know if if you don't have diabetes as a part of your life or someone in your family or a close friend, you basically don't know anything about it. Um, so I always try to put myself in those situations even when i get like oh the same question over and over and over is this could be that person's first day with diabetes they have in you know just because you've had that conversation a million times doesn't mean that that person doesn't you know really isn't just curious or is trying to understand and uh, you know that's really an opportunity like you said to just educate them Um, exactly i did want to focus on something that you mentioned is like um you know, people maybe aren't as open uh, because of the stigma around type 2 diabetes. And I think that especially applies to men. Uh, and I want to ask, you know, if I can a little bit more directly, like around, uh, you know, black men, like African-American men, like sharing mm-hmm. weaknesses is not necessarily something that is, you know, a, a, as open in, in black culture, I, I would suppose, or at least like male yeah, no, that's, masculine yeah, culture. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So how do you, you know, how do you approach those conversations? Do you ever find like... Um, you know, that, that you, I mean, your voice in that community is really broken through and kind of help people be a little bit more open. What do you find there? Um, yeah. So I mean, I growing up, like emotions, wasn't, wasn't something that, uh, we really showed that much. I mean, I can remember a handful of times crying, but only crying when, uh, no one was around. And, uh, when I was diagnosed with type two diabetes, it took a little bit of time for me to actually share it with people. Um, I didn't want people to know that I was kind of scared that I had this diagnosis. And not too long ago, maybe three years ago, I started to uh, open up about it. And that's when I started posting about it on Instagram and sharing my story with people. And now I do get messages from not even African-American men, but Africans um, who, told me they were uh, diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. One of them right now is actually doing really well. He's managing the type 2 diabetes well, but he's terrified to tell his parents that he has type 2 diabetes because he thinks it's going to be a burden on them. Um, I've had other people come up to me and tell me the same thing, not 
as in it's going to be a burden to people, but just that it's just a sign of like, it could be a weakness or something that they're going to get looked down on, looked down upon when they want to be a leader of the family. And I just usually let them know, like when you take charge of something like this, something in your life that is definitely be definitely capable of doing that you feel more empowered and then that's only gonna like resonate through everybody else that you meet and touch in life yeah i mean it's really interesting like the power of vulnerability i think like when i try to talk to people who are outside of the diabetes space like it's easy for me and you to get up on stage on a room full of people with diabetes and talk about diabetes right it's much more difficult to people who aren't as familiar to talk about what we go through. And I think it's like diabetes at a higher level, right? Like what really is, is going on. And when I talk to people about the diabetes online community, I really talk about it as like vulnerability culture. It's really just people who are willing to talk about something that's deeply personal uh, and open up about the struggles, highs and lows, no pun intended, uh, of, yeah. <laughs> of a life with diabetes. And uh, and, and then find community in that vulnerability. Uh, so within the type two community, just because I'm not as familiar, I know there's a lot of stigma and a lot of people who say ignorant in the negative way and like hurtful things. Um, how is it different? Have you seen, how is the diabetes community different for someone with type two versus someone with type one from your perspective? Um, so just social media wise, there seems to be a lot more connection in the type one world versus the type two world and I, and I think it's it seems like people are more willing to talk about their type one diabetes but like because of that stigma in type two doesn't really seem all that connected and like i said i have people i chat with all around the world and like the uh one guy i talked to and he can't even tell his parents that he has type two he's definitely not going to share it out on social media or I think it's brave of him to reach out for a community uh, of people to try to do it. But at, at the same time, um, even doing that, like I feel like it needs to be more, like he should take, well, I would like him to take his diagnosis and share it with the world and show how he's controlling it. So that stigma can be broken down and then we can all come together a little bit more instead of having these small pockets of people together and uh, talking about diabetes when we should be out there just breaking down those stigma walls. Definitely. So let's talk uh, a little bit about like your, uh, sorry, I just had a, uh, my blood sugar is a little bit low. So my brain, I'm just having like a brain fart after brain fart here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No worries. That's, no worries. that's for the, uh, for the people who are listening, who get those sweats when they're on phone calls at work. Like that's just, part of part of the gig when you got diabetes um so talk a little bit about your like day-to-day -day life with with type 2 and like obviously like you're a, a crossfit you're a crossfitter you're a trainer you're very active and fit you're an actor and model like what's what's life with diabetes like for you on a daily basis like give us uh give us behind the curtain give us a little bit of a tour of like what's what's dex's life like on a day-to-day -day? um for the most part uh it's not too bad um Usually, though, in the morning, I always wake up high, um, way higher than I usually want to be, uh, usually in like the 200s or so. Um, so, yeah, I start my day, I wake up around 4 a.m. My first client is usually 5.30. So I usually don't eat until, I don't know, probably 9 a.m. And then around that time, I usually take a metformin 
Um, my blood sugar is usually about stable around then. After that, I have one CrossFit class, maybe one more client. And then at one o'clock, one to two thirty to three o'clock, that's when I start to work out myself. Um, one thing I learned from working with the glucose zone, um, is where my blood sugar be should be when I uh, start working out. So for me, if I'm a little high, uh, I usually kind of start my workout off with just a, like a slow cardio, usually like a row machine or using, um, an assault bike kind of thing. Um, and then after that, uh, then I start my workout. But one of the biggest things is usually in that morning time when I'm a little high, uh, I could be a little difficult to want to communicate with people. Uh, I get a little bit irritable when I'm high. So in the morning time, I don't talk as much as I do later on throughout the day when I'm uh, when my blood sugar levels are stable. But usually after working out, I uh, probably have two or three more classes after that. And that's when I'm a little bit more positive, pushing people a little bit more. And around eight o'clock, eight thirty, nine o'clock, some days, I finally get to go back home and I have one more meal, and I take one more metformin before I go to bed. So um, that's usually my day with diabetes, uh, for the most part. It's never, I never really had too many high times, um, mostly because I am that active and. Uh, I watch my food for the most part. I cook almost everything I eat. It just makes it a lot more simple to know what ingredients is going in to the food. It's hidden sugar everywhere. Um, yeah, um, yeah, it's pretty much my day to day. I've been lucky enough to be dating someone the last three months. So uh, hanging out with hanging out with her has been fun. Um, discussing diabetes with her, it's been a great time too. She's a baker, so. Oh, nice, dude. That's that's yeah. a, that's a major that's a major key with uh, like a big value add with it with a partner, right? Is uh, exactly, and 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 she makes me like sugar free snacks and stuff. So it's nice to be able to include that stuff back into my diet and know it's not gonna like kill kill my blood sugar. Well, let's talk a little oh. bit about about dating. I think that's a very popular topic uh, that people on social media always ask. Um, I feel like girls and there's a lot of perspective from the women's side of things, uh, but not always as many perspectives offered from, from the male side. So how did you approach talking about diabetes, uh, with your new, new girlfriend? How did that, how did that go about? Uh, I wish she was my girlfriend. We're still just dating now. Okay. Sorry. Um, sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, didn't mean to out you like that. Yeah. Well, no labels here. Yeah. With this new person you're dating, how, uh, how, how did that come about? Um, so, I mean, after I've, been I have diabetes for what the last almost seven eight years now so at first in dating um I didn't really talk about it too much unless we like went somewhere and I tested my blood sugar and I was kind of high and then I'll bring it up that I couldn't have this dessert or something like that but now usually on the first date I let them know right away like hey I have type 2 diabetes um there's certain things that I don't do um or drink like for so for diabetics out there are type 2 diabetics I only drink tequila because tequila doesn't affect your blood sugar so when I go out on a date and we do have drinks that's usually what I have and I explain to them why I only drink tequila so that's usually how I bring up the type 2 diabetes and then from there like if we continue to date it's just kind of like the education thing like I just continue to inform them on things that I can't do and see if they're okay with it I mean most of the time people are okay with my lifestyle. Um, I mean, I usually go to sleep early, I wake up early, 
Um, I don't go out all that much, but I do on occasion. So as long as they're okay with that, and because um, that's one of the ways I control my diabetes, um, dating's usually not too bad of a problem. Plus, it's always something I can talk about that I know about. So if there's ever a moment where it's like that eerie silence when you're on a date, I can just bring that up. So. Yeah, I think like um, you know, if you're if you're on a date and you have the awkward silence, like that's obviously like one of those things. It's like, okay, well, uh, I guess this is over now. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, but I guess um, other things too. It's like just being social with diabetes. Not even just like going on dates, but with my friends. Um, like we get together, and almost everything you do when you get together with people has food. Right. Um, so like that's kind of been a challenge it's still a challenge to show up to an event and have a bunch of things that i just don't include in my diet like i don't i'm not keto but i eat low carb for the most part so like i get together with my friends and the last thing they think about is me having diabetes i mean i was blessed enough to have all my high school best friends move to la we all moved here at different times but we're all here and uh they don't think of me as Dex with diabetes. Like they just think of me as Dex. So I show up to these kind of, go show up to these get togethers or events or something like that. And know have to prepare myself to like, tell people, no, I can't eat that or just not eat anything and still try to make the best, uh, most out of the event. Yeah, so that's, absolutely. Yeah, that's gonna been a struggle. It's been a struggle sometimes. Sometimes I give in and then I get my blood sugar goes high, but, um, but yeah, just yeah, being social with diabetes is, can be kind of challenging. Yeah, because you never know when you're going to show up, right? To a, you know, I think like a Super Bowl party is always one that's tough. It's like you can be, and I think it's tough for anybody who's watching what they're eating or has a certain diet that they're following. Because you show up, exactly. It's like, you know, at first you're like, yeah, okay, I'll just get some protein and I'll eat some of the veggies, and then like as the night goes on, there's like those chips and there's like some sweet stuff, and it's like, yeah, okay, I can bolus for some of this, but for you, obviously, you're not an, an insulin dependent type two uh, diabetic, so you know how how do you adjust, you know, your your treatment for you know things like that or like cheat meals with with your metformin? How do you adjust? Uh, how do you adjust for that, you know, those moments where you're a little bit off or, you know, you're just trying to you know, have a cheat meal or a night on the town where you're, you know, just not worried so much about what you're eating? Yeah. So usually, so most of the time, most of the time of the year, I don't use metformin. I just control my di- diabetes with uh, fitness and uh, nutrition. But there are all those times where I do go out and I kind of substituted with the metformin, which is not the way I want to think of using metformin or I don't want people to think that, oh, because you have metformin, you can go out and eat all these things. Um, so it's just a very rare, rare time for me if I know I'm going to go out and enjoy dessert, like going out and getting ice cream and stuff like that, then I would use metformin. Um, but before I decided to start using metformin, because one, metformin usually gives me upset stomachs, uh, or stomachs, upset stomach. Um, and recently, uh, I got so sick that I like vomited, but... Before that, I would just go on long runs after the event. So I go run a 5K, and usually within uh, 30 minutes after a 5K, my blood sugar would be back to normal. But that's not always fun or something I want to do every time I uh, go out and have, I don't know, a piece of dessert or some ice cream. Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting, right? Like, even 
you know, myself, for example, I'm, I'm trying a little bit more like, I guess the, the diet is like more plants. <laughs> it's like not a hard fast rule, but I'm just definitely subbing, uh, you know, some of the, you know, meats that I would eat prior to with, you know, more vegetable options and just seeing how I feel with that. And sometimes that means a little bit higher carb than I would normally eat, but just trying mm-hmm. it for a time. But at the time, at the same time, you want to make sure that your life has balance and, you know, want to be a normal person. So, uh, I'm always interested to see, you know, people with different types of diabetes, how do they adjust to those things? And so it's, uh, you know, really interesting. And I've also heard a lot of people who take metformin have similar issues with you in terms of side effects is like makes your stomach just a wreck sometimes, which is, you know, never very much fun. Yeah, like sometimes when I'm, I'm coaching a class and my stomach can be so upset, but I can't really show the class that like I'm going through this. I got to be positive after like teaching the movements, getting through the hour of working out all while like having these stomach issues or like counting the minutes until I can get to a bathroom or something <laughs> like that when I'm taking my format. So like if, if, I, if I can, I won't take it. Um, but like you said, I, I do want to be able to go out sometimes and feel like a normal um, person who doesn't have diabetes. So sometimes I just sacrifice the stomach ache to feel that normalcy. Let me ask you this. What advice would you give to somebody who's listening to this podcast or, you know, just somebody who's out there living with type two diabetes and it's kind of in the background and they, um, aren't really, you know, as open with it and they're wondering, you know, what, what they can do to kind of improve their life with diabetes. What, what advice would you give them? I think um, the first piece of advice, um, because I think exercising is a big key, is to find a program or um, some kind of activity that you enjoy. Um, I think a lot of times people think about exercise and how they felt when they took gym class or the couple times they try to go to the gym and not realizing that's not the only way to do fitness. There's a bunch of different ways to do fitness and fitness should be something that brings joy to you, something you get excited about. And once uh, you find that, then I think that's when you start to think of nutrition because fitness and nutrition go hand in hand. If you do one well, then you're probably gonna do the other one well as well. (laughs) It's a lot of well, sorry about that. Uh, so yeah, and then nutrition-wise, like, um, I kind of got lucky. Uh, I met a nutritionist in South Pasadena, uh, Sarah Lynn, who helped me with my diet for the most part. She is a keto specialist, um, and after getting together with her, she made everything really simple for me, um, shopping list and everything like that. But finding a nutritionist who can break things down for you, who knows about diabetes, because there's a lot of people out there who pretty much don't know much more than the normal person. Like, not to change the subject, but I lived with a doctor for a little bit, and he almost had no clue about diabetes at all, except for what medications to give people. So um, I, after finding a fitness plan, then look for a nutritionist, make sure you do your background uh, search on them, make sure they know about diabetes, work with them for a little bit. I don't think, even as a personal trainer, I don't want people to be with me the entire time. Like I want you to learn um, from what I give you. So learn from your nutritionist, take that. And then the best way to always apply it is by helping others, I feel like. So helping others with the knowledge of fitness, um, your knowledge of nutrition and how you live day to day and control your blood sugar. Yeah, I totally agree. It's always interesting. Like, 
you know, I, I'll give you a little bit of a background, um, regarding like the personal training piece is like, I had this great, I found these great movement specialists. I'm a really tall dude. You know, we met in LA at the Mybetic Awards and uh, yeah, I was yeah. an athlete for, for many years and still, you know, recreationally participate in, you know, pretty competitive basketball at least. And, you know, for a while I was having a tough time just with my hips and just my body was brittle and I really wasn't as mobile as I needed to be and had developed some unhealthy habits like sitting all day at a desk at work and, and you know, not really focused on my mobility. And I found this great mobility coach and I was with them for like six to eight months. And I was thinking about it the other day, um, I just developed the habits that they, you know, and, and workouts that they were giving me in the, in the regimen that they were working with me on. And now I don't go to them as much because I don't have the problems that I used to have. And I was just trying to find the balance of, you know, Hey, as a trainer, truly your, your best, you know, results are, or your best case studies are people who don't need to see you anymore. Uh, and is, do you find that that's challenging ever with, with some of your clients is like, you know, they're so good and, and your program works so well that, uh, they don't really need you anymore. No, I mean, that's, that's always my goal is I don't, I don't want my clients to, uh, have to be with me for extended amount of time. Um, and then usually if my program works really well, the best advertisement you can get is word of mouth, word of mouth. So all my clients for the most part anyway is someone's friend or coworker that uh was told about me and then they come work with me so i think if, if you if you do really well with someone um there's almost going to be a guarantee that even if you lose that person they're probably going to send two or three other people your way and you would definitely be able to work with um at least one of those people uh so, so yeah so like i kind of i think everything is just a learning experience and i, I like i want to teach while I do things. And if I teach someone well, then they're probably gonna, again, try teach someone else what I taught them and just like an everlasting uh, way to help people. And you mentioned earlier that you, you have clients. So I know you, you see clients face-to-face. Uh, and I also know that you've worked with Glucose Zone and you mentioned that as well. Um, for people who are looking to contact you to get more information on either your programs, online coaching, is that an option or personal training in person? You know, what is, uh, what's the best way for people to learn about what you do and some of the programs that you offer? Uh, I think the best way is I'm on Instagram probably way too much, but my, uh, Instagram page at Dex Geralds, um, it's probably the best way just DM me. I'm usually on there anyway. I'll probably see your message pop up and I can get back to them as long as I'm not in session with the client or in class I usually get back to people right away so yeah Instagram would probably be the best way or my email um, at dexfit.com or dexfit38.com uh, answer those pretty regularly as well so those two ways are probably the best way um, I'm a terrible texter so <laughs> definitely don't want to definitely don't want to call or text um, but yeah email or IG would probably be the best way yeah, I saw this uh, meme the other day or like viral tweet. It was like, it's amazing that I still have friends that, that understand that I'm going to have to get back to them via text in three to five business days. And I was like, yeah, I feel, <laughs> I feel very seen. That's that's me from time to time for sure. Yeah, like I need to see that meme because that's definitely me. Like all my group chats with friends, they have these whole conversations. And then three days later, I like I'll probably pop in and say something. And then it'll be another three days before I'll pop in again. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think uh, that sounds like balance to me. I don't know about you, but that sounds like good, a healthy balance. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, like, so I'm naturally an introvert. So, uh, so what I do now, it's like it drains me by the end of the day. So by the end of the day, like, I'm not texting anyone. Um, I've already contacted everyone that I needed to contact for the day. So after that, no, I'm just done. I can't do any more social being social with anyone after that for the most part if i don't see them face to face totally get it yeah i uh i'm an extrovert by nature uh but at the same time you know i'll go to an event or you know my awards for example diabetes awards is like being on all day and like interacting with people is exhausting and then i like get i do this event it's like wall to wall you know interacting with people get a lot of energy from that and then like the second that i like board the plane and sit down my body is just like all right we're tired we're done here (laughs) (laughs) you did awesome at the biomedical words by the way uh i was there nervous super nervous because again i'm an introvert so didn't know how many conversations i would have to have with people but uh, yeah, you killed it. You're funny. Like you made me like engaged the whole time. So it was kind of cool to uh, see you do your thing. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. That was, uh, man. I it was my first event, kind of doing that style of hosting um, in a long time. I kind of in college, I, I hosted this very small, kind of dumb award show, and I just made, tried to make it fun. And man, what an awesome crowd! I was like, man, I can't fail here. This is like all my people here, just people with diabetes here to have a good time. Um, so yeah, thank you, man. That means a lot to me. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem at all. Really meant it. Um, and I also want to say congratulations to you. Uh, you are joining the leadership council on the spokesperson side, uh, for beyond type one. And I was having a conversation because I am the chair of that group. I was having a conversation with somebody else on the council and they were saying, you know, uh, you represent a very new voice in, in that community, uh, as a person with type two diabetes, especially on the male side. So, uh, wanted to give you major props for that, man. Like you're, you're trailblazing uh, in a space that, you know, not a lot of people have gone before in terms of, you know, being a big time advocate uh, for type two within a type one started community. So I just wanted to give you major props for that and looking forward to working with you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, yeah, like um, I think I was contacted by someone at, no, actually Crystal, Crystal, um, gave me information on beyond type two and then got connected with them. So, and like, that's how like helped change me. Cause like I look at their Instagram and a lot of people that I talk to uh, and try to get them to share are like the people who are sharing on the type two IG uh, platform. So um, that seeing that has been awesome. And, and then, then be able to be um, on the spokesperson committee for Beyond Type 1 is like an honor and I like I really can't wait to get started and help in any way I can. Yeah, I'm really excited as well. Uh, I know a lot of work has gone into kind of reforming some of the Beyond Type 1 councils and I'm really excited to get together with everybody and hopefully meet everybody in person here really soon. So, um, But hey man, I, I really wanted to say and express some gratitude to you for, for coming on the show and sharing your story and, and obviously kind of living out loud with diabetes and and also sharing some great workout uh, videos. I'm like, oh man, Dex is in there getting those Olympic lifts on. I need to get my <laughs> my clean and jerk game way up. I got to get back, got to get back to it. So um, 
for those of you who are listening and want to know where to follow you, you obviously plugged your Instagram at Dex Gerald's. So we'll tag you in the show notes as well. But um, man, really looking forward to continuing to get to know you and work together. Uh, and man, uh, any parting words for the audience kind of before we uh, close up the interview? Um, I guess, I mean, if, if you take anything from this interview and thanks for having me, by the way, it's just um, kindness can go a long way. Um, basically just continue to help people if that's something um, that you do and if it's something that you haven't done I think try it you're going to see that it's a lot more fulfilling than um, some of the things that we do like um, sorry I'm like I'm going to start rambling on but uh, <laughs> just, just, just be a great person and help as many people as you can because it really goes a long way Thanks so much for listening. Just a reminder, this episode is sponsored by Type 0 Health. Type 0 is the most powerful sugar-free and stimulant-free, yes, that means no caffeine, pre-workout on the market today. For people with diabetes, you can get the boost and the pump you need to crush your workout without having to worry about spiking your blood sugar. Type 0 is packed with robust all-natural ingredients designed to do one thing, give you a massive pump without all the added crap. There are tons of pre-workout products on the market, and they all will get you going, but most are filled with junk that is bad for your body and your blood sugar. Type 0 is proof that all natural ingredients and a powerful pump don't have to spike your blood sugar or taste bad. I use Type 0 before I play basketball, go on a run, hit the weight room, and lately, since we've been quarantined, I've been using it to help me shift into workout mode while I'm at home. It works, and I've got the CGM charts to prove it doesn't spike your blood sugar. You can order Type Zero on Amazon or visit typezerohealth.com for more information. Type Zero is a T1D owned business, and you know I love T1D owned businesses, so check out episode 132 for my interview with Type Zero founder John Jensen. Remember, you can order Type Zero on Amazon or visit typezerohealth.com. So let's get to it.